the Higgledy Piggledy History Hodgepod with Alex Diamond and Dave Crowley. Hello and welcome to the Higgledy Piggledy History Hotspot, the podcast that will never tire of recalling stupid jokes from old comedy shows and giggling like children. I'm Dave Rattlehead Crowley, amateur history nerd, and joining me as ever is Muchas Humoras, Sminky Pinky, Xbox Slinky, Studente Historica, Alex Dar Diamond, Bono Estente. <laughs> Bono Estente? <laughs> Christ. I didn't know you were a linguist as well, though. <laughs> And in this episode, we're taking a look at the Spartans, or more specifically, the women of Sparta, and asking the question, radical feminists of ancient Greece, or just bossy troublemakers? So, Mm. Darth, the Spartan women, even as infants, they were treated differently to girls in other parts of Greece. Uh, yes, they were. Yeah, I mean, in general, Spartan women were very were famous in ancient Greece for having, you know, more freedom and more rights than, than women elsewhere in in the Greek world, and uh, that really did begin, you know, um, at the very beginning of their lives. Um, but you know, birth and childhood, uh, Sparta was the only um, city state in Greece that had a formal, you know, education program for girls hmm. uh, and that and that was not the case elsewhere you know we know about other places a- a- Athens probably most famously but yeah Sparta was the only one where they said not only are we going to educate the boys but we're, we also have a you know a, a regime for educating women and also um, they were actually fed quite well and I know that sounds awful but a lot of women in the ancient Greek world were not fed as much as the men for you might say obvious reasons, you know, men are the ones doing the fighting, mm. they need to be physically fit, uh, and women that were therefore given less food in general. But in Sparta, that wasn't the case. The, the, uh, the girls were fed just as much as their male counterparts. Um, so when, you, when you're talking about uh, Sparta being a, a city-state, how, how is uh, the Greek world divided up at this time? Then? Yeah, so we're, I guess, you know, uh, when are we talking about probably... Um, is good to to discuss. Uh, Sparta really emerges in the late seventh century uh, BC. So you know most of the evidence that we have comes from the sixth centuries, fifth centuries, fourth centuries, that sort of thing. Oh. And there is no such thing as Greece in any political sense. No one in ancient Greece would have referred to themselves as Greek. Right. Okay. They all would have said. I'm from this city-state, I'm from Sparta, I'm from Athens, I'm from Corinth, I'm from, you know, this area. And Sparta was one of the, uh, I mean, you know, hundreds, possibly even a thousand or more individual politically run independent city-states. Sparta was one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent, actually, um, throughout a lot of this sort of classical period, this this 5th and uh, 4th century uh, BCE, the the actual uh, the actual uh, city state was not called Sparta. Uh, Sparta refers to the the sort of main city, the main town, if you like, of the territory. the mm. the pol the polis is what the Greeks called it, which you'll see in names like uh, Constantinople, yeah, or uh, Napoli, Naples, right? So that's the polis. So Sparta was the polis. The actual territory was called uh, Lacedaemon which is um, represented on the Spartan shields. If you've ever seen the Spartan shield, it's got uh, 
what looks like an upside down V. Mm. And that's the lambda, Greek letter for lambda, basically the L. So that's yeah. why Sparta has what what is basically L, because it's like a diamond. Um, but Sparta was the main sort of settlement, if you like. And Sparta's sort of, um, as you say, it, it's possibly the most important of these Greek states. Is that simply due to their military uh, tradition? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess like, you know, what's the most important? I mean, the, the big one is always Athens or Sparta. Hmm. Uh, Athens are famous for being uh, very intellectual and they do poetry and of course dem- democracy at this time period you know they're the ones who come up with this whole new system which is based which they call mob rule democracy hmm. um the the the, the, uh, the Spartans um are are known really for for as you said their military prowess and they are they are the dominant military land power in ancient Greece um during this period really right up until the, the 4th century when we start to get Alexander the Great and um, from Macedon. Yeah. So Sparta is this great military powerhouse. Athens is pretty good as well, but their their main thing is the navy. Sparta, Athens is a naval power. Sparta is a, a land military power. And Spartans and, and, so, sorry, sorry. Cool. No, cool. Yeah, and, you know, we, we, we hear about the Spartans f- uh, fighting the Persians in the Greco-Persian Wars, famously Battle of Thermopylae, depicted in the film 300, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a very fantastical representation. <laughs> and, uh, great, great it is great. Though. It is fantastic. I think that is the word, fantastic, you know. Um, the, the Persians don't come out of it very well, but but the Spartans look, yeah. look really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they can make their own film. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, yeah, I have to say it's treating it as as a piece of entertainment rather than it, and some sort of historical document. I, I do watch it fairly regularly. I do find it thoroughly entertaining. Oh, I love it. I mean, I'm you know, whenever I'm playing video games uh, with the guys on Overwatch, I do my best. You know, Gerald Butler. This is where we hold them, <laughs> <laughs> and yes. uh, it's just mental, really. Yeah. But it's a great. It is a great film, and. Um, and actually, to be fair, you know, I know you say it's you're not watching it for the history, and, and that's right. But the the representation of Sparta is not horrendous. You know, it's they get a few things wrong, and we can talk about that. But yeah, Spartan the, society at this point is, is divided into three social groups. Yeah. So, what do we mean by Spartans? Well, really, the, the sort of top level of society is what we know about uh, yeah. in, in any detail, and that's what we're talking about today with the women. Um, so, so the top level are the full citizens of Sparta, and they're called Spartiates. These guys um, were were actually banned under law from having any other profession other than a soldier. And, well, and so, you know, <laughs> and that's the uh, world's easiest job: careers advisor in Sparta. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, another Spartan boy. Yes, we'll raise him up. What, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh... <laughs> a fireman, sir. Mm, you might oh. want to rethink that. <laughs> mm. And and in a way, going back to the film, uh, you'll remember the bit when Leonidas first encounters the other Greeks. Yeah. And the other Greeks are like, you've only got you know three hundred men. We've got thousands. And he's like, what do you do, boy? Like, I'm, I'm a shepherd. You know, I'm yeah. a, I'm a bl- I'm a blacksmith. And he's like, I brought more soldiers than you, son. You know. <laughs> and, he's like, uh, and that is and that and you know so 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 that's that they are the Spartans really, 
And then you've got um, a sort of a, like a middle class, to use modern terminology, which are called the perioikoi. <laughs> Great name. And they are yeah. the sort of free people uh, of Sparta's surrounding territory. So they're not full citizens of, of the polis, but they are free people of, of Sparta's surrounding territory. And, and, you know, they engage in trade and other commerce type activity which the um, the full citizens are prohibited from doing you know the, the aristocracy the, the military aristocracy and, and then at the bottom you've got what's called the helots and they are the conquered subjugated people who Sparta's military have basically taken over and they're they're enslaved really they are the enslaved they're doing all the work <laughs> they're doing all the work yeah and they don't appear in the film sadly uh, but they are re- they're a really important part of uh, the Spartan economy um, and and they do fight as well. Actually, they, they you know they they do go to Thermopylae with with the three hundred Spartans. Um, but yeah, so so they're the helots, and and you know most of the people in Sparta are helots, really. Um, the, the the Spartan military aristocracy are, are a tiny minority, but they don't do any of the labour. That's all. That's all for the helots. All the Spartans do is is fight and train for fighting. Um. I could I I should say that um the the boys went underwent this notoriously rigorous training regime uh, and it was a very long apprenticeship that you, from age 7 to 30 you are training <laughs> for the that's, for the military that's a, that's a hell of a stretch in uh, in combat school I mean it, you'd expect them to be turning out rambos basically and nothing else it's no wonder well, yeah. the military power uh, Quite that, right. That's, that, that's that's a long time to learn to do anything. It really is, yeah. And and again, a notorious. It's you know, it was very arduous this um, this regime, and uh, not everyone made it. And and you know, going back to sort of birth in Sparta, um, uh, uh, according to Plutarch, one of the one of the historians who's writing a few hundred years later, says that uh, male infanticide was systemic. That basically, that when you had a baby boy, uh, the father would take it to the sort of elders of his tribe, who would then judge whether this infant was gonna was gonna be a good soldier. You know, did it have any birth defects? Was did it look healthy? Was it sturdy? Whatever. And sadly, if they didn't think it was, they would chuck it down um, down a ravine, down a chasm at the foot of the mountain that was next to uh, Sparta. I mean, that is horrendous. I just, I mean. I'm not justifying it, obviously, but you know, if if there was a child with a missing limb, then I just think, okay, that that's fairly obvious that that's going to be a drawback in battle. As I say, I'm not justifying it, but I can understand it. But what the hell else are they looking for in in babies to determine whether or not yeah. they're going to become great soldiers? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they can sort of really put it through its paces, can they? Um, <laughs> put it in the but, cage with the tiger. If it yeah. survives, it'll be all right. Yeah, you can start the training program. Yeah. <laughs> but if he gets eaten, no, I'm done. Well, I mean, what I find very strange is that they didn't just say, "Okay, this baby, let's say, who's you know missing a limb or something horrendous like that, we'll just." Um, you know, it, it won't be in the army, but it can it can go and do something else useful for the economy. That that there was no, it, it was either no, no, it's soldier or nothing, and that is quite strange to me. But I mean, it it worked for them in terms of military success for sure. Now the girls were not applied. I don't think that sort of um, 
you know, birth defect test was applied to the girls as well as the boys, because of course the girls were not expected to to, to fight. Mm. But um, as I said at the beginning, the girls did have a, a, a you know physical and uh, intellectual education regime, which uh, women just didn't have elsewhere in the Greek world. It's not just the Greek world, really. I mean, this is this is unusual for this time period. Yeah. Full stop, I would guess. Yes, that, I think that so. Women are being treated in this fashion. Uh, or, yeah, almost certainly. I, I can't think off the top of my head of, of anywhere else like this, um, where this level of, um, you know, women's rights, if you like, is going on. And we shouldn't overstate the case. I mean, you know, we've got the sort of, are they the world's first feminists? And we can come back to that question. The whole, mm. the, the whole point of Sparta is the men... We want to make the men the best soldiers that were known as hoplites to, you know, to form the phalanx again, looking at the film, they link their shields, they got the spears mm. and the women, we want them to be the best mothers of hoplites and mothers of mothers of hoplites, if that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. so it was all, you know, th- th- these women. They're basically um, being molded to, to provide yeah. the best sort of life for these troops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this was not chosen. Uh, They had no choice in this, just like the boys, Um, you know, but this did afford them more rights and actually more freedom than uh, women elsewhere in the ancient world. Which they put to use in uh, the athletic sphere, apparently. Yeah, so... Broadly, in ancient Greece, if you're a woman, especially a you know a high class aristocrat, you're supposed to be modest, right? You you're hidden from public. Really, women don't go out in public in in, in Athens that much. Um, you stay at home uh, with your mother and the other women of the household. You you wear long dresses. You play indoors with your dolls and small animals, and you, and you learn your domestic skills. You know you how to to be a, a domestic goddess, right? Child nurturing. Cook, uh, managing a household obviously they would have had slaves and things to do all the the proper work um but <laughs> but, but there you go um but yeah sparta um we know a lot actually about the uh, sort of physical education right the, the athletics as you said and in fact we know we know that there's more evidence for the athletic activity of Spartan women alone than there is for the athletic activity for women in the entire rest of the Greek world combined. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and again, the goal is we want these women to be fit and healthy so that they can raise and nurture fit and healthy men to fight and, and indeed more women to do the same thing. Um, and the amount of attention that these women doing athletics gets by the overwhelmingly non-Spartan sources. Because the Spartans didn't really um, record a lot of information themselves. A lot of what we know comes no, from... They, they weren't particularly academic. <laughs> no, not when, really, uh... when you're 7 to 30, yeah. you're spent, you know, drilling for the for the war. Yeah. You're not going to ra- have time. <laughs> I'm going to raise you to be a diarist, sir. <laughs> no. Quite. So uh, later historians uh, fell upon this with great glee because there's a lot of nudity involved. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, certainly other things as well. The idea of women, you know, taking part in any sort of physical uh, activity was in itself a surprise to some people, Uh, you know, both condemning and condoning. But the idea that, yes, they might be 
getting nude, which of course the men did as well. It was completely, you know, that that was that didn't warrant comment at all. That all the men yeah. would get their clothes off and do all this physical activity, none, wrestling. None, none of the late historians gave a toss about that. They were just no, no. excited to find naked women competing. They were like, "Oh, look thought, at the yeah. You, yeah. And you thought this would be a good subject for Women's History Month." Right. Well, yes. We're not bringing this up, and now I, I'm going to look uh, <laughs> even more ignorant than usual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I did realise that we would eventually come to discuss this, and you know, we are a comedy as well as a history podcast. But the, it's not just—it's not just about nudity. I should say there are other things going on that make the Spartan women really interesting. But yeah, let's do but, let's do a little bit on the nudity, then, okay, and then yeah. we'll move on. Let's just get it out of the way. So. Yeah, in fact, the, you know, the, the Greek word um, uh, gymnos or gymnos, you know, gym, mm. means nude or lightly dressed. And, and uh, women sometimes wore like a, a tunic called a peplos, which basically revealed their thighs. And that was enough for most people. Yeah, because the, cause the, women, the, the women of Athens were like, oh, my God, those harlots, you know, they, they show their thighs. <laughs> like, I was just about to say, enough for most people. That'll do for me. I'm happy there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, we continue on from that to completely nude um, competitors. Yeah, completely nude. Um, and, and, you know, there are all sorts of debates, not, uh, as I said, that there's problems with the evidence and, and, and you know, who's saying what. But did they did they compete in physical activity nude alongside the boys together with the boys you know i don't know whether there was i couldn't say for sure whether mm. there was um you know se- that, they, that they were segregated or whether it was co-educational um but uh, it s- some sort of um you know 17th century 18th century 19th century depictions of this did in they do show nude women wrestling with a load of old men going this looks interesting you know (laughs) um and and they're there to sort of you know yeah judge the competition but uh, basically yes uh and this included do we believe pregnant women and mature women yeah um it wasn't yeah it wasn't just you know the um, for the young girls um it was also yeah in in maturity and even and even while pregnant apparently um, so so all this boasting from serena williams about winning a, a, a grand slam in tennis while she was pregnant sorry love you were like how many two and a half years, thousand years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was yeah, yeah, maybe way before you and naked. yeah she 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 is a a bit of a Spartan woman, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, she's 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 done a great job and um and is following on uh, in this great tradition. Um, yeah. yeah. Did, did the, the Spartans often throw tantrums at news conferences when they didn't get their own way? Then? Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I. I, all I can answer, all I can answer to that is that they were famously outspoken, and we can we can return to that because oh, um, because okay. again, um, not only should women not really be seen outside the house in in the rest of Greece, but they shouldn't really talk. Um, I think I think one one historian, you know, contemporary historian, said something like, "Women should either talk to their husbands or through their husbands, and that's it." Um, <laughs> But that wasn't that wasn't the case for the for the women of, of, of Sparta. They they yes. were outspoken, um, and actually, uh, what's her name? Lena Lena Headey plays the queen, doesn't she? Uh, in the film, yeah. 
uh, Queen Gorgo. Uh, and she's quite a you know a firecracker. And again, I think that that's quite that that's something that's quite right. We we know a bit about her and the fact that she did have a voice and she did have power and she was she was bright and and educated, um, and respected. You know, so yeah. So although they weren't trained for combat, they they were absolutely sort of fearless with anything surrounding the war effort. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they they didn't fight. You know, we're not talking about uh, the Amazons here, um, or but, Lagatha, or Lagatha, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, but we are. You know, so that was up for the men, but um, the women were were very keen to play their part. And there's a there's a story in the third century uh, BCE when uh, King Pyrrhus was contemplating an attack. Pyrrhus, who gives his name to Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic. Yeah. Um, so he, he, you know, the, the Spartans are worried that he's going to attack um, with his elephants. And uh, I think the Spartans, the men say, right, we need to ship the women off to safety, ship them off to Crete. And uh, I think it's Archidamia, who's the grandmother of, of one of the kings. Sparta has two kings, a bit like the Roman consuls, Dave, that we did. Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. So we have two kings. So so she's the grandmother of one of the kings, and she says, you know, bugger that, we're not going to get shipped off. We'll do our part. And they said we would rather die in Sparta than leave it for it to be destroyed, and then have to live in a world where Sparta has been destroyed. So they 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 stayed, and they actually dug trenches overnight, apparently, as a defense against Pyrrhus's elephants. Uh, and they stayed up all, all overnight doing this while the soldiers got a good night's kit before, you know, going off to I battle should, the next day. I, I should say they bloody did. How deep a sodding trench do you have to dig <laughs> to disrupt the path of an elephant? An elephant, yeah. <laughs> and they did this in a night. What the hell? They got JCBs down there or what? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's got to be some hole to stop an elephant in its tracks. Well, quite right. Yes, they are. They they uh, they were clearly inspired by their zeal, you know, for <laughs> for for their country. Um. <laughs> I, I, yes, I mean, I, I uh, to dig a hole that deep, you'd bloody have to be. No, that's true. But you know, these women were very physically fit, and they they did a lot of uh, physical activity, which I I haven't spoken about. But the, but the, and and they competed in in games as well. Um, you know, running, wrestling, uh, javelin, that sort of thing, and and there was a woman who actually was famous um, as as an owner of horses who um, won chariot races. Um, she didn't drive the horses herself because that was always done by professional jockeys who were not ar- aristocratic. You know, so even the men who owned the horses didn't ride them themselves because that because was seen... there was a high chance that you're going to die basically and also you know that would be breaking the profession rule wouldn't it you're not yes. allowed to you're yeah. not allowed to compete in the game son you're a soldier and that's your lot in life you know <laughs> but it seems that you know women could take part in this and and it's no surprise that the first female um star of greek athletics um what was a spartan she was a daughter of a king admittedly you know so uh, that helps um, but you know the fact that she's a woman doing this thing, which is largely a men's game, and she was victorious in the Olympics in three nine six and three nine two. So it's a bit, a bit like Princess Anne then. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say that actually. Yeah, we do actually, have a sort of Princess it's, Anne. It's, it's more like the Queen Mother, really, isn't it? Owning the horses and not actually doing anything with them. Yes, that yeah, that's true. It's the owner of the horses, and then 
but then she, you know, she, she just like the men who owned the horses would get all of the credit. So, so the yeah. jockeys are complete non-entities. Yeah, forget them. Uh, forget them. They're just doing all the work. But so she, the, the yeah. campaign now to get starts to get Princess Anne digging a twatting big hole overnight to see how big she can, uh, how deep she can dig it. Yeah, well, should you in, know <laughs> in a twelve-hour period, just in case we're invaded by elephants. Yeah, perhaps. I, I, you know, I would be willing to put money on the fact that Anne would be out there digging a trench. Um, yeah. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I have to say, of all our royal family, she'd probably be the most likely to know which end of the shovel. Yeah, I, yeah, I've I've got a lot of respect for uh, for the princess royal. Well, that's that's strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to um, we don't want to damage your chances of your knighthood, so we'll uh, we'll move on from there. Thank you. Swiftly. Uh, so, the, these Spartan women, um, marriage. Yes, marriage. So this is one this of the keys. Again, this is different to uh, to other parts of, of Greece. Yep. Um, the, the key thing here is that they tended to marry a lot later. Um, it was common practice in ancient Greece for girls to basically marry and start procreation as soon as they are physically able, right? As soon as they got their periods and they can they can have children. And we're talking mm. people, you know, girls being married off which would be, uh, you know, awful for, for modern audiences, but was completely the norm at the time, age 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Usually to older boys, not 30-year-olds, but boys in their late teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Sparta, they said, no, we're going to let the girls, you know, marry. We're going to make sure they marry later. And basically around the same time as the boys, you know, late teens, early 20s. And the primary reason was, as I'm sure you'll have worked out, try to try to make these women as healthy as possible so as mm. to prevent anything going wrong with adolescent pregnancy. Um, you know, if, they, if, we, if we raise these women with physical education, give them a chance to actually become, a, a, you know, a, an adult... <laughs> Mm. Um, we might actually have a better success rate and have to throw fewer babies down the ravine. It's incredibly fascist <laughs> eugenics, but it turned out, you know, it, it meant that these women um, had free time and, and, ed- and could devote many years to their education, physical and learning, you know, book learning, reading. It's possible that some of them could read and, and write, certainly at the very top, like the Queen's. And yeah, and so they that was quite good for them, really, for the Spartan women. And and another big big win here for the for the Spartan women is when their um, their husbands were too old. They would uh, basically bring in a, bring on a, a an eighty seventh minute substitute in his late teens to <laughs> do to do the impregnation on their behalf. Yes, yes, and and this is. Um... I bet, they were, say, I bet they were really, really upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what my esteemed colleague is getting at here, ladies and gents, is that, that uh, married Spartan women uh, practised a form of, of polyandry, you know, um, which is multiple male lovers. Um, and as, as, as you said, Rattle, uh, older men, once they got a bit past their prime, you know, and, and in Sparta, that's probably after 30 that's not just me that's you as well now yeah, isn't it no, yeah so once you're once you're over that hump um 
because the whole state was about we need to create more Spartan warriors and mothers of warriors, the idea was um, the married couple would invite a younger, fitter man to come and you know do hanky panky with the missus and hopefully impregnate the the wife. Hanky panky. <laughs> hanky panky. Is, is that a historical? It's the technical term. Yeah, <laughs> I think it comes from the ancient Greek. Hankers pankers. <laughs> so. Yeah, basically that that you know that was that would happen sometimes, and 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 again to compare, usually that would never happen in most societies, patriarchal no. societies. Husbands enjoyed exclusive access um, to their wives in the bedroom, um, but in Sparta, not really. And 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 this sort of you know this patriarchal state, you know. We think of patriarchy against women. Well, actually, this was a this was impinging on the man's rights, you know, to mm. to the monopoly of, of of sex with his wife. Um, and I, I should point out as well to our listener that that um, we're we're recording this second series under pretty much lockdown conditions again in the UK, and during these COVID lockdown conditions, my esteemed colleague reached the grand old age of thirty. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we've not been able to celebrate it properly, but we, we plan to once we can. But I, I think he felt it was just a number until earlier this week when he was invited to have a vaccination. Yes, <laughs> yes I was. I'm sure yeah. made him think, How, what, what age did I turn last week? I, it <laughs> was a, someone, I've already had my first jab, so I could just sit here and laugh. Yeah, it was a mixture of joy and uh, exasperation because I was like, well, this is great news, but are you sure you've got the, the right person? And I said, yeah. you know, I, I'm only 30, you know, and they said, oh, yes, sir, that's quite all right. We're doing the 30-year-olds now. And I thought, ah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, as far as they're concerned, you're 30 to 40. Yes, exactly, yeah. I'm, you know, categorically middle-aged. Christ almighty, what does that make me? Right, moving on. <laughs> um, yes, but yeah. Yeah, we're sorry, we were talking about the, the again, that being unusual um, in, in society as well, of any time really, but particularly at that time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, it, it you know must have been very must have been very tough for these poor Spartan wives having to take young lovers periodically. Um, and I should say, they were not forced into this. You know, it wasn't that, again, the state is there controlling ev everything, but it wasn't just a husband said, right, love, you're off to, you know, go and have sex with this young bloke. <laughs> yeah. um, the husband said, like, you know, I'm a bit grey and, you know, the belly's sagging a bit. <laughs> Would you like to try and see if you can raise a child with this 18-year-old hunk from the academy? Yes. Well, yeah. It's, well, uh, someone's got to do it, tough, you know. But yeah. you know, you know, I'll do it for the glory of the state, dear. I'll <laughs> tell you, so self-serving. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that yeah, that's the key thing, uh, really, um, for for Spartan women um, in marriage. And then the next thing is Spartan women as mothers, and motherhood was the was the uh, you know the the raison d'etre, if you like, of of um, Spartan women, and they were they were the only Greek mothers who were famous, you know, in antiquity for being mothers. If that makes sense, yeah. And Plutarch recorded um, these famous sayings of Spartan women, which I have to say, most of them 
don't, don't exactly fill me with a load of familial warmth. No. <laughs> and uh, the thought that, oh, I bet she was a great mum. I think uh, that's fair, yeah. Cold, I think. Yeah, so... It's crime, it? So, again, we, we've got to be careful about the myth here. You know, Plutarch's writing a long time after and, and he's, not a, he's not a Spartan. Um, but he does record these sayings of Spartan women, which you should go away and look up because there's loads of them and they are truly <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, but I've, 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 um, you know, excerpted a few examples here that, that we can read out, but the ones that tell us about what it was to be a Spartan mother. And as, and as you said, Russell, um, not, not very warm um, because basically a lot of them involve women, Spartan women, uh, mothers, chastising their sons uh, at the very least and sometimes even killing them when <laughs> they prove themselves to be cowards uh, on the battlefield a spartan woman who killed her son who had deserted his post because he was unworthy of sparta declared he was not my offspring for i did not bear one unworthy of sparta <laughs> yeah fair enough then christ so yeah basically don't you know, if you're a Spartan man at the battlefield and you desert, it seems that it was your mother who was the one to fear. Because if you, if you, you know, she wouldn't let you come back home. If you run away from the battlefield, do not go home. Because no. your, mother, like, <laughs> your mother will kill you, apparently. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it's incredible. Um, there was also a case, I've got another one here, so... Uh, when her sons had run away from a battle and come back to their mother, she said, wretched runaway slaves, where, where have you come to? Or do you plan to steal back in here whence you emerged? And then she pulled up her clothes and exposed herself to them. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is incredible. Okay. Well, I mean, it, she made a point. Absolutely, yeah. There was another one where um, I think she... Uh, there was a case where she threw a roof tile at his, at her son's head when he came back and and said, you know, I've I, I've run away from the battle. I think, um, oh, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, she saw her son approaching and asked, "How does our country fare? You know, how did Sparta do?" And he yeah. said, "Everybody's dead, Dave. Basically, um, <laughs> everybody's dead." Dave. But she says, "Well, you're not dead." And she picks up a tile, a roof tile, throws it at him, and kills him. <laughs> and says, "Oh, did they send you to bring the bad news then?" <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um, but I should, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit harsh, really. Isn't it, it? it really is harsh, but in a way, it's a bit like um, it serves as almost propaganda. You know, like in the First World War, the Second World War, they often use women, didn't they, yeah. as a way to sort of guilt the men to do to doing their bit. Yeah, um, it's women you know, or children. Women, it's, children. It's, you know, yeah. what did you do during Daddy the war? Did. Yeah, that, and so th there's a there's a little bit of that, you know. So like, don't don't desert your posts because you know you'll you'll be um, <laughs> you'll be destroyed by a by, roof tile. Yeah, that's that would have been a different campaign uh, to to wage. But yes, what, um, where where did this take place? That there, there were roof tiles lying about. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the house being remodelled at the time. Yeah, well, the, you know, I imagine these physically fit Spartan women would have just clambered up the wall, no problem. You know, shim shimmied up a drain pipe <laughs> and picked up a roof tile. Um, but so, I, yeah, well, so when these these women, um, I, I don't know whether you're going to know the answer to this, but when these women um, basically. 
reached the end of their child rearing um, uh, years. So they were effectively not much use in terms of this state that they're building. How were they treated then? Were they were they still looked after? Yeah, so that so that so they could still play the role of the Spartan mother, of course, um, to 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 the adult son. So if you've got a son serving in the army in his thirties, and yeah. and that would make you what in your fifties, yeah, um, you're obviously beyond childbearing age, really. Then, um, but you are still there to play the role of the of the Spartan mother, and you know you could probably still dig your trench. I guess if you get really if you get really old um, and and decrepit and that and obviously you can't do anything, I don't think that was a problem because they had done they had done their bit. You see, um, th- there's an interesting fact about Sparta, right, Dave? So the custom was if you were a man, if you were a Spartan man, uh, and you and you when you died, you got buried and you got a headstone. You only got a marked headstone as in a headstone with your name on it if you died in battle hmm. so if you survived battles and you you grew to old age and you died that they basically put you in an in an unmarked grave but if you died in battle you know you got the star on the wall this, this guy dave crowley here he is he died a glorious warrior I, I don't think that that would have been very likely at all. I, think now, I, I would be more more likely the one picking bits of roof tile out of his head, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But there was also a way for women to get a marked headstone. Can you guess what that might be? If a woman dies, how does a, how does a woman get the marked headstone? Uh... uh... I genuinely don't know off the top of my head, mate. Go on. Well, it was it their their great battle was childbirth. So, right, if you die in childbirth, that is the same as if your son, you know, dies. Yeah. So, if you die in childbirth, you get your you get your marked headstone. It's not really much consolation. No, it's not. It's not. But I so it's a it's a sort of poetic way to try and answer that question of, well, what did women do once they had gone past the age of, of childbearing and things well yes they could still be mothers but ultimately they had fought their battle if you had produced you know good healthy sons for the army really you had done you had done your bit and and the sayings of spartan women really seem to indicate that these women really wanted their sons to go and and fight and even die um in 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 battle um because that that was the honour, you know that that would be the great honour for them, really, to get a son oh. with, with a marked headstone. I think this is best summed up with with a quote that you've got here. Um, when a woman from Attica asks uh, a Spartan woman, "Why is it that you Spartans are the only women who can rule men?" Yes, and it, and this is Queen Gorgo, Lena Headey's character. Yeah. She says, "Because we are the only ones who give birth to men," and that's I think that's just, a great. That is great, isn't it? Just fantastic, isn't it? Uh, and it just about sums up their attitude to uh, for the whole uh, uh, enterprise, really. Yeah, it does. And you know, re- re- going to the question, I think that that outside of Sparta, Spartan women had a negative reputation in some respects. They they were seen as promiscuous because of the polyandry that we mentioned, and they were seen as domineering, oh. controlling their husbands. You know, tr- tr- bossy troublemakers. Um, but it was it was honestly pretty good for them as as, as uh, things went for for women in in the ancient world and um... well it does it does make me wonder when well, we started off by asking the question about um, 
whether or not they were uh, sort of history's first feminists or just bossy troublemakers. And having talked about it, I mean, were they just really good socialists? Because they were just doing what their society needed and yeah. what their society wanted was far more important than the individual. It was, yeah, it was very much like this is what the Spartan state wanted you to do and men and women was were, you know, in the same boat, I suppose. Obviously they were doing mm. very different things and it, and it wasn't that they had this sort of feminist revolution where the women rose up and said, we want rights. It was like, no, no. You know, here's what the man, here's what the men do, here's what the women do, and as it turned out, it meant that women in Sparta um, had a had better education, more rights. They could own property, they could do all sorts of stuff. You know, um, that women elsewhere couldn't do because everything else was done by the men, and women were just there to basically give birth, and then that was it. You know, and they were homemakers. But the Spartan society said, "Well, no, we want basically everyone to do their bit for the glory of Sparta." And yes, that placed responsibility on these women, but it also gave them a freedom which their, you know, contemporaries didn't have. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we would love to get your feedback. If you want to say nice things or just point out all our errors, then please do get in touch. We are at HP History Pod on Twitter and Facebook, or you can email hphistorypod at mail.com. Thanks for listening.